slaves and Roman citizens, I think. This is Kevin Evans with the chapter-by-chapter chapter live class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And uh, we are uh, currently studying Acts. And last week, we discussed Paul's conversion for the entire hour. And we finished up at verse 19. And uh, at that point, Ananias has uh, uh, counseled with Paul under the guidance of angels. And uh, Paul's eyesight has been restored and he has been baptized into the Christian faith. And uh, broke his fast. And that's where we stopped. So we are picking it up at uh, the end of verse 19, actually, because uh, this breaks kind of strangely when we convert it into English. And uh, we're first going to look at uh, uh, Paul uh, and what happened to him. And then immediately, Luke completely changes the subject at verse 32. And we shift to Peter, as if we've been talking about him the verse before. And uh, we leave Paul. And I think it's curious when you compare this segment of Acts to other segments of Acts and many of Paul's writings where he gives his testimony. And uh, Luke doesn't give us a whole lot of detail into what was going on in Paul's life at this point. Um, But I think it's interesting. There's a whole lot of time lost in between this and, and the next time we see Paul. So having given that as a forewarning, let's look at uh, verse 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call in his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. Where did that come from? But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul in his journey had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. No, he talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, and it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Verse 31 is basically a summary and an ending of the chapter because Luke basically ends his chapter here, and then he starts the next thing at the next verse. All right, Bill. What? No, it just it proves that you know God can forgive you of your sins, but then you've got to try to prove yourself to the people around you that knew you before you were converted, and sometimes they don't forgive you, so it 
it begs the difference. How do people expect you to forgive yourself if people can't forgive you? You know, it's 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 a vicious cycle. Bill, what? People lie. People lie a lot. I know you. I'm sorry. If you're trying to kill me and you go, oh, it's all right now. I love you now. Can I come into your house? I'm not letting you in. <laughs> but I'm saying there is a correlation here between, you know. People you get know? people get saved from all kinds of sins, and then people Fair. can't accept the fact that they, because they knew them before, they can't accept that. So, how do you expect if people can't forgive you? How do you expect to forgive yourself? I mean, trust is—it's not about forgiveness; it's about trust. Trust is earned, my brother, earned. But aren't you supposed forgiveness to is given? I can forgive you, but I'm not going to trust you. But aren't you supposed to give people the benefit of the doubt? Okay. We get into an argument and you punch me in the face. And I think, well, poor Bill has mental problems. I'm just going to let him off on this one. And I'm not going to hit him back. And I will forgive you for hitting me in the face. But I'm not going to get close enough to you to let you hit me in the face again. I think that's fair. I don't trust you because you hit me in the face. But I forgive you. I don't hate you for it. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Mm, yeah, uh, Paul was killing people. Paul was the bad guy. He was Darth Vader. We, and he suddenly he's saying he's on your side. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be dubious. Skepticism is warranted in this case. I think so. No, you can go back to the Jews. They killed Jesus, the Son of God, and God still forgave them, and then they just moved on. But he's God. Yeah. And, that, and to quote the great Lyle Levitt, that's the difference between God and me. Okay. Well, do we, if a, if a man is a child molester and gets caught and then you ask God to forgive him, do you, he comes to church and say, I'm going to be put in charge of children's ministry. Do we put him in children's ministry? No. No, I don't believe so. No. Okay. Doesn't mean he wasn't actually forgiven and saved, but we don't, you know. Well, no, it's the same thing with an alcoholic. You wouldn't take an alcoholic back to the bar if he got saved. Well, we're not talking about church. We're talking about church. About right. Because we've had that discussion. Hey, I'm, for, I'm saved by the power of Christ and forgiven. Why can't I work? <coughs> well, but it does remind me, though, of the things that I have just read about, like in today's times, about the radical, you know, I would say radical conversions. Now, I don't know these people personally, but, you know, like notable people that are in, like influencers that... <laughs> Um, you know, that are saying that they have they have come to Christ and I mean completely turned their life around. And I'm wondering, like, you know, and then you have believers who are bashing them and saying, you know, basically there's no way, you know, that this is true. But I think about this is a story that I think about when I think about God can use anybody. But then at the same time, does that mean that we just open ourselves up to all the things? Like I think we use discernment like you know but that doesn't mean that you that you get to discount what God has perhaps done in their life like that's not for us to say but to to basically discount somebody though because of their past and because of who they were to say there's no way you know they could be a follower of Christ now I think that's where we like I don't think we have there's a difference between saying hey we don't believe your salvation story you're not saved we're not having you there's a difference between that and saying, yes, brother, we accept you as coming in. 
but let's let's go slow with this. So let's use wisdom here. A guy that's known for embezzling funds, you don't put him in charge of the church budget. No. Which, as a former <laughs> pastor, there seemed like there were people who were saved from something, and they wanted to prove it to me. So put me in charge of what my problem but was. But they're so good at Really good with numbers. There's a difference between <coughs> doubting their salvation and I'm being wise and being wise what we do with them. Yeah. It's, it's 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 brother you're well, saved, but we're not ready to put you in charge of the church finances because yeah. you need to grow in the Lord first. Yeah. And I think there may be times when we do, but that's why we have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and trust and verify. Right, we trust we trust him. <laughs> we don't Yes, Chris. Chris wants. Chris has something to say. First, Chris. Bearded Chris. Yes. <laughs> True. Excuse me. I realized that didn't go the wrong way. <laughs> it all comes down to the relationship, personal relationship, and communication with Christ. Then He will direct you, and He then you will know, you know, what to do. Well, that's great, except that Christ is so rarely in my timetable. I need an answer. You can't go wrong with de dealing with them in love. Right. And sometimes you'll have to say, brother, I believe you, but let's wait. Let's, let's let you grow in the Lord first and things like that. Then if it's done that way, the Holy Spirit does take over. Yep. And it can't. The, the problem is we, we do one of two extremes. We completely shun them and say they're not saved. Or we just, Katie... I'm well, and if God is really rooted in their heart, they're going to understand that intimidation. They're going to say, you know what, I, you're going to walk in humility with Christ, and you're going to say, I understand why they are feeling the way they feel. And I, I get it. I think Paul got that. Yeah, he did. But yeah. It, you know, it's, it's like uh, Paul, Paul didn't take his toys and go home <laughs> and say, no, I'm not, just forget this whole thing. We're also thing. looking for 2020 hindsight. We knew Paul was legit. We, were, we knew Paul was legit and truly changed. Yeah. They did not have the, let's go see what it says in the book of Acts, what Paul ended up doing. No, they could say, is this a trick? It's, you know, the Jews are trying to find out who the hidden Christians are, and Paul's the secret agent, yes. and he finds out reports our name. Yeah. So that had to be Christ-led, Spirit-led right there, you know, for them to come after, or, you know, to bring Paul in. He sure. Doing, he started doing miracles. When, when Barnabas gets into it. We, uh, uh, we, we, you know, our responsibility is, is, is try to get people saved, not change them. The Holy Spirit and, and the Word teaches them, and that changes them. Because I, I know, uh, I know of a fact where a bunch of ladies ran a woman back out of the church right after she got saved because of the way she was dressed. That isn't love, okay? They tried to change her immediately into something that she wasn't ready for. I mean job is we get them in we get them saved and God changes them that's the way I think it should be yeah still need to be participants in discipleship though like I hear what you're saying like it's not like change the person right. but you know I mean we do still kind of have to help right and that's what I mean it's like we get them in we get them saved but God in the word and you slowly teach them the God's word and it changes them you don't try to change them immediately and yet I don't see a discipleship program going on here with Paul. Look at what actually happens. 
he goes into, he, he, he uh, has this experience, he gets baptized, mm -hmm. and he immediately, I mean, that's quoting the scripture, goes to the synagogue and preaches that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, remember that this is the, the Jewish church, and there is an underground movement of Christianity that he is here as a representative for the, for the temple to ferret out. So he is the big brass authority coming in to take care of the rebels, and suddenly he's preaching on the rebel side. It's the Jews that are being upset with him in Damascus, Hellenistic Jews. And so they're the ones that are going, wait a minute, didn't you come to get rid of the Christians and now you're preaching Christ? I don't know if it's the Christians that are responding to him here. It's the Jewish population that's responding to him. They always want to kill somebody. That, 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 they're kind of like murderers. The, the when in doubt, just kill them. Yeah, that, 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 that's, kind of, that's kind of the way that the Jews, I mean, they kill Jesus. Now they want to kill Paul because he's trying, because well, he, turn, he turned on them. the same thing over yes, history. Exactly. <laughs> uh, respectfully, human beings have done the same thing over history. I'm studying Texas history right now. There is not a group in Texas that has not at some point killed somebody because you annoyed them. You know, That's kind of like it, it doesn't West. matter where you, well, yeah, welcome <laughs> to the Wild West. Yes, I, I think that's, a, the Wild West is a picture of humanity at its basis, you know. Um, and we're almost back there again. No, I can say we're not. I can say, I can say we're not. I, I can see how we had some bumps along the road, but this is not the Wild West. Well, you look the Comanches at, will not be killing us anytime soon. No, if you look at these cities that are running rampant with crime right now in the streets, people going in stores and looting the stores, smashing, grabbing, killing people, assaulting people in the streets. That happened in the Wild West. The, the teachers with once or twice, but not. Teachers. Huh? I said this happened to teachers. So I mean, you know, it's like the right. You know, you do have these cities that is that is happening in. And stores are closing, and people, well, I don't know what they're going to do for food and clothes, because the stores are saying they've had enough, and they're leaving because the crime is so bad. Yet Paul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, here is this Jewish rabbi who has been, he's been blind for the past three days, so... It's not like he's been sitting around studying his scripture. He's been blind. And so he immediately starts preaching, and I love this as a debate coach, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He got a dose I think that's a really, really profound statement when you're trying to put this into a chronology. Uh, that makes me think that he knows what all of the Old Testament signs are for the Messiah. He has done a personal study of what are the signs of the coming Messiah, and he's persecuting a guy that's claiming to be the Messiah, and I would expect at some point he looked at his specific claims. <coughs> oh, wow, they match. Now, if you were working for the temple and you see a guy that where everything's matching all of those signs, but your job is to go persecute them, you've got a couple of choices. You can either follow the evidence or you can completely reject the evidence. 
wouldn't he studied in all of the Old Testament? I mean, part of his education. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And so I, I, what I'm saying is, I think that it was it was a short step for Paul to be able to make the argument for proving Christ's Christhood, because he already had that foundation. It was just that he was rejecting that before he had this encounter on the way to Damascus. And I have noticed as a teacher, uh, the kid that's yelling the loudest is the one who's not quite sure of himself, you know? So the rabbi who's most violent in protest is the one that's really close to riding the fence. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that I mean psychologically, I think that kind of fits as the I look part, at the, the part of your brain. Let's go science. Here. Thank you. Go for it. The part of your brain where your beliefs and values are stored is the same part of the brain that turns on fight or flight. So that's why you could tell a flat earther. I hope there's no flat earthers in here. You could tell a flat earth. You could you could put them in a spaceship and take them up to space and show them the round earth. We're going to have so much fun later if you're a flat <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. You can, you can show them all the evidence. But what happens is that part of the brain, fight or flight, and it, they get more. In, I, I'm going to give you a book for Christmas. That's gonna I haven't explain. read the last one. Well, I'm giving you this one. That one I lit to Oh, you. oh. <laughs> I forgot. I'll have to be but it said, in fact, we, when someone holds a a really sacred belief or value and you challenge it, they're more likely you can give them 100% evidence. They're going to get staunchly more into it because it affects the survival part of their brain. Right. They feel like you are challenging their being. And, and, and so that's why, and then so they will either run or they will fight even harder. But you're getting to them, but they have a choice. That's why Paul was fighting so hard. I, yeah, well, not that, I'm talking, we're talking about the Jewish leaders that are that fight or flight because it's the same part of your brain that those values are kept in. I don't care. Give it to somebody else. Those, those are yours now. Uh, so basically, but basically when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he got like a double portion of the Holy Spirit. Because I mean, because all of a sudden he went from on fire to kill, on fire to preach. Maybe that was So, a man of conviction. How about there that? Yeah, okay. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. And this would be the non-Christian Jews in the synagogue whom he's irritating with yeah. this message of Jesus's divinity. But Paul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates. So they're, 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 they, when he comes through the gates, they're going to arrest him. And so it's the public forum for Jews is the gate. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And from what I can tell, most scholars see this as being waste disposal. This is how they got trash out of the city. Uh, so they basically put him in a trash basket and loaded him down to the dump, which was outside the wall. So, you know, they, they snuck him out the back, basically. You know, the thing is, this is kind of like a set of precedents for the rest of his ministry, them wanting to kill him, because then for the rest of his ministry, everyone tried to kill him one way or another. Well, he was called to go to Gentiles. 
Okay, yes, you're right. I, I, actually, I'm not sure how that fit. Uh, okay, so these Jews are trying to kill him, and he leaves the city. When he went to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Duh. And remember that, that, that once the temple came down on the Christians, the Christians scattered and they moved into Judea and Samaria, and the only people that were left in Jerusalem were the apostles at the, a, a, earlier. And so the only people in Jerusalem are the apostles that he's introducing himself to the leadership, and they would rather not talk to him since he's the head guy that they're all running from. I wonder what made Barnabas take a liking to him so much. Not believing that he was rude, but then Barnabas, Barnabas steps in. Why did Barnabas like him? I mean, I wonder why he befriended him so immediately and closely because he was either under the leadership of the Holy Spirit or he was hopelessly naive hopefully it was the Holy Spirit or a little of both I don't know Holy Spirit comes and leaves <laughs> sure <laughs> uh, um, so where is it say okay uh, spoken to him and now in Damascus he preached fearlessly and Paul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Then he debated with Jews and they wanted to kill him. And then the brothers, which would be the apostles, learned of this and they sent him to Caesarea and sent him home to Tarsus. The, the, the apostles kicked Paul out of town because he was bringing down too much heat on him. And uh, Caesarea is one of the two big ports that come out of Jerusalem. Caesarea was the Roman port. It was a huge city and lots of, uh, it's where all the Roman shipping and armament came in and out. And then there was Joppa, which was kind of the Sumerian port. And uh, it was uh, more merchant and less military. So those were your two choices. He went through the big one and they sent him, at the, the, you probably get a boat faster in Caesarea. So, you know, off he went, they got rid of him. And, and it stops there. Uh, uh, outside of Israel, I don't remember where is Tarsus. Right. right. So, so he would have taken a ship like that on the map, and he'd have been up here. So it's north. It's way up north. Uh, let's look at Second Corinthians eleven. No, wait. Let's go to Galatians one seventeen. Ephesians, there's more. Well, okay, we've got this testimony of, of Paul's conversion, and Paul did, you know, he wrote half the New Testament. He he told his testimony several times, and so in each time, there's just a, there's a bit or two that we get, and there's always a little different twist because he's making a different point. I think it's all true, but you never get the whole story in one rendition. So, uh, 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 where am I? I'm in Galatians. For you have heard of my previous life in Judaism. This is uh, uh, verse 13. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my age, little golden boy, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. He did not get man's permission to do what God had already told him. He did not go get discipled. He, he, uh, he, 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 he didn't take 
Well, he kind of did, actually. But anyway, he, he did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see who's, uh, who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. After three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter. So Luke says several days later, and that several days was about a thousand days. It was three years before he, he gets back. Uh, Think of what all he accomplished in that three years. And he stayed with Peter for 15 days. And in those 15 days, he only meets one other person, which is James, who was the Bishop of Jerusalem at the time. It was, it was not James and John, but James, the brother of Christ. So he, he really only meets one apostle, apostle. But I guess James technically is apostle since they were raised together and all. He was the head of the church. Yes. The apostle that picked on Christ as a child. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what his testimony was like. That would be interesting. Um, so those are the only two guys that Peter, uh, 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 excuse me, Paul meets. And then, and then when they send him off to home, when they send him off to Caesarea to get out of town because he's bringing down too much heat, we don't see Paul again for seven years. It is a full seven years before he appears in Scripture. So, he is converted on the road to Damascus. He is blinded. It is a dramatic conversion. He immediately starts preaching, is completely rejected, and then he leaves the country, essentially, for ten years before he gets relief from the Holy Spirit to come back, bring, bring him back and actually start this ministry. A decade. What did he do in those 10 years? It's largely silent. He said he went into Asia. Uh, no, uh, uh, Arabia. Arabia. And in the Western mind, when you say Arabia, we think Saudi Arabia on the Arabian Peninsula. And what they are referring to is everything speaking Arabic going that way. And so it's, it's uh, Syria and it's also, uh, I don't know if it includes Jordan, but it would include uh, uh, Iraq. And so he was over there with foreign Gentiles preaching. We do not. He started out as a youth pastor and worked his way up. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, I don't know if it's if it's a discipleship particularly, but he 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 is not respected by the the Jewish population. Uh, the Jews are angry with him because he didn't do his job and he converted, and the Christians are afraid of him because he was doing his job before he converted. So, so you go someplace where you can be effective. Yes. He realized you can, he said you you know a prophet is not welcome in his own 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 town. Yeah, Jesus so, did the same thing. Yeah, he went elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. and and in the scripture doesn't it talk about when he sent them out two by two? If you get there and they won't accept what you have to say, shake the dust off your feet. He went, he went and where no one else. Yeah, 
and we, and we don't know, but probably he built churches and everything else over that ten years. Probably period. under the encourage, you know, just with Barnabas, just Barnabas was the person assigned to him and saying, okay, when you like him, you watch him. And when we him. see him again seven years later, it's because Barnabas goes to Tarsus and gets him, and then they go, they they, they come back. So Barnabas is is pivotal in he, he he's the liaison between the Jewish leadership and Paul. And him and Peter never really, I mean, they may have sat down and talked, but him and Peter never really had a good relationship. They spent for, they, they talked for seven days. Because it's they so were hanging one, out, dude. One disagreement doesn't mean you have a bad relationship. My goodness, you'd be enemies. Where it came to circumcision and came to Jews and Gentiles. But Bill, that doesn't mean they have, they don't, they, they hate each other. No, I didn't mean to hate each other, but they didn't, didn't agree. Their ministries didn't agree with well, each other. Well, there's ministries. But like there's someone who's pastoring in the U.S. and there's someone else who's a missionary in Africa. It's not that they, their their ministry and their focuses are in two different. Paul directions. invites them to come. Mm -hmm. uh, was it Galatians? Galatia, was it Galatians? I forgot. I'm getting the blank. It was the, Paul. Paul invites them. There's a relationship yes. there. There's a bunch of ministers I don't agree with, but I get along with them. Well, you, I mean, you can't be polite. You have to just interject in the middle of the conversation. I just, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not rude. You just, just jump right in. And, and it's always okay to cut Bill off. I just want to make that very clear. He did say that he withstood Peter's yes, Bill. face. So I just took that as it means that they didn't get along too well. Yeah. Okay, so... I think what I take away from this particular passage is patience. Uh, our, what, what I was alluding to before, my schedule, you know, I, I'm constantly planning the next three things that I'm going to do, you know? I know the three, three steps, at least, I know exactly what I'm gonna do next. And I'll be at home sitting with my wife and she'll say, well, and I go, well, what I'm going to do now is go back to the bedroom and I'm going to change clothes. And then I'm going to go to the, the garage and I'm going to do so-and-so. And about one o'clock, we're going to go to lunch, okay? Because she needs to know what the schedule is all the time, you know? And so I have to keep her informed of my immediate plans always. I can't just make it up along the way. Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. I did actually. Be patient, yeah. Uh, my schedule is always focused. And if, 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 if I'm going to do something, there's usually a deadline, and the deadline helps me focus because I've got to make this happen by Saturday. And, and that, that helps me organize myself, you know? Is that when you're at night? Well, I'm not sure what to do with that. Um, um, that's not God's schedule. God has the, the nice, very nice. Oh, you're so type A. Okay, so um, that's not necessarily God's plan. I, I think I don't think that that Paul was interested in discipling. Paul was a very accomplished, incredibly well studied lawyer and Pharisee, you know? He knows his scripture. 
uh, he needs to sit around and contemplate him a little bit, maybe. You know, God, you know, put him down and made him sit for three days and think it over. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think he needs to apply the skills that he's already got. Um, and then God put him on a back shelf for 10 years. We have this massive, dramatic conversion, and he charged forward. And then he disappears for 10 years. They had to sneak him out the back with the garbage. Yes. As a former pastor, I hear people say, you know, day after they say, they thought they were ready to go converted to it. Right. Now, I don't, I, I don't temper the enthusiasm, but there's a time of training. There's a time of experience and wisdom. Moses was ready to conquer Egypt, but God had to send him to the wilderness for 40, 40 years. There's a there's a cooking time. Yep. There's a preparation time and such. Not every every kid that gets out of Bible college the first week ready thinks he's ready to pastor a ten thousand member church. And I think you can agree with me that that cooking time is agonizing <laughs> for motivated type A type people. I think that's okay. the point though. and everything that proved Christ, but yet he was still persecuting the church. He was still doing this. God had to get a hold of him and say, okay, you were so arrogant to go after yeah. you know, Christ, who I was and everything. He had to then take that and break down that pride and break down who that was and rebuild. He still ends up being fairly arrogant, but it's he had to learn. <laughs> he is very arrogant. To, he had to learn to get that under control with the Holy Spirit. My I mean, he may have had head knowledge. And that would take probably 10 years. Versus, like, <laughs> experience it wasn't knowledge. experience, Wisdom. it wasn't heart, it wasn't, you know, yes. it was just the knowledge in your head, you know, yes. the things that you know. Mm-hmm. But I do find it interesting, though, that in Galatians it says right here that, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Like, I think that, I feel like that says a lot. Like, how was he able to go from nothing to, it talks about an act, he had disciples, but his disciples, like, he went from nothing to, you know, he was the one persecuting to all of a sudden he's had this conversion and now he has disciples, like, within a matter of, it reads like, to me, it reads like within days. I don't think they're his disciples. Well, I, that's what I don't understand. Like, what is that, does that mean that he automatically was? Read the verse again. Um, well, in, in Acts 9, um, 24, and 24, well, I guess, yeah, 24 and 25, where it says they were watching the gate um, day oh. and night. But his disciples, like, his disciples, like, he had disciples? It says his followers. I would say it was the Christians within Damascus. I don't know that he had a particular. He just had a following. Yeah. From his preaching, he probably did get Sure. That's hilarious. <laughs> we're, we're followers of Kevin. 
Yeah, we've already talked about arrogance in here, so we don't want to tip. Yeah, you need you need to keep me keep me down. Yeah. Okay, why? If you have children, there's no children's church today. It's a field Sunday, so keep your children up over the Kelsey class. No, we won't take it. Yours. Bar bar the doors. They're keeping them. So. There's a return. Thank you. Gotcha. Well, my first two years in ministry at a Bible college, I look Sorry. back, I was an idiot. I'm still an idiot, but less of an idiot. Uh, fair. You know. We just get more complicated as we get older. Yeah. More wisdom. Maybe. Uh, so Paul spends 10 years uh, in Arabia, well, three years in Arabia, and then 10 years in Tarsus outside of Israel. I'm assuming witnessing. I'm assuming speaking in synagogues. He, he, he's a rolling stone. I don't know that he's waiting on the Holy Spirit to say, oh, I think you need to go to church and speak. No, he is witnessing to his experience, and he is witnessing to his understanding of Scripture, and I think he's suffering punishment for it. We see in his writings several occasions where Paul is stoned. He's literally beaten up, stoned, drunk out of town, and left for dead, and he recovers. And uh, in 2 Corinthians which is, I'm assuming, later in his uh, uh, life, in his ministry, he gives, he, he, he basically lists everything that's ever happened to him. And uh, it's, it's impressive. Uh, I, <laughs> I have worked, uh, okay, this is uh, 2 Corinthians 11.23. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, which is the Jewish version of lashing, uh, not designed to kill you like the Roman version of lashing, but it leaves permanent scars. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open O.C. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, and in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger with false brothers. I've labored in toil and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches who is weak and I am not, who is weak and I do not feel weak, who is led into sin and I'm not inwardly uh, burned. Uh, so, so basically, we don't know when his five different instances of Jewish lashes took place. We don't when, know when all three, we know when one of his stonings took place, but we don't know when the other two are. We've got 10 years missing out of his biography. I'm guessing some of that Jewish lashing, because it's specifically Jewish, it would have been something that came out of the synagogue, I think that took place in Arabia, and I think it took place in uh, Tarsus, and I think it took place in all of the Jewish communities in the Dysphoria. And, okay, it, it's, and while I'm you know, giving you the gospel of Kevin here, uh, if you go through five lashings and you, you, you are beaten with 39 stripes with, with a single whip, which is going to leave cuts in your back. You've seen pictures of American slaves. That's basically what was happening. 
And he went through that five times. You're going to carry the physical reminders of that for the rest of your life. You're going to have permanent damage. When it comes to stoning, I'm surprised he lived through it. And beating the rod. Three, well, yeah, beat you with a stick. It's, it's pretty straightforward. They beat you with a stick. Okay. When, when, when Paul says, I have a thorn in my side, I think it's a literal description of pain that he has in his body as reminders of all of this abuse. I think this man did not walk very fast. Yes. I think he had physical damage that did but, but, not perfectly but, but, but heal. He was charismatic. We're not supposed to be sick. <laughs> Continue with your heresy. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody uh, says it, he prayed three times for God to remove it. If he's charismatic, it should have been removed. I know. I know. I've got trouble. My papers are available to be taken at any moment. That was, that was said by Clayton Yeck, <laughs> presbyter. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> okay. Well, but I mean, he did. He, well, that's why, I mean, and the reason I say that is I went to Pentecostal Bible Institute, and the, this could not have been physical because we're, we're Pentecostal. Of course it was physical. Yes. If he was blind and he said, hey, I can't see. I think I think I don't think I don't think he was hiding anything. There is a God does not obfuscate his message. That's the greatest thing that came as a result when God, when Christ said that to him, I asked three times, and three times Christ said, No. My grace is sufficient for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's what got him. And he said, I will glory in my weaknesses now. Because in my in my weakness, he was made strong. That's So, with that, since half my class just went off to music practice, um, we still aren't finished with this chapter. We still have Ananias and Dorcas. It's all your fault, Bill. You talk too much. That's what it is. Um, oh, yeah, I know. It's a whole, whole, whole other ball of wax. Um, the takeaway here is, I think, patience. My, well, it sounds like I'm complaining about my wife. Well, she's not here, and she's never going to listen to this message, so there. Uh, Judy uh, it, it was raised in a very small Pentecostal church, and her father was the pastor, which means that she was basically unpaid staff from the time that she could reach the piano keys. And uh, she likes to tell the story about how on one of his church plants, they met in a house, and she had just learned how to play two hymns, just the melody line, on a piano, and so they put her and a piano in the opposite room, because that's where the piano was, and they were all meeting in the living room, and so somebody yelled, now Judy, and <laughs> Judy played on, on, with her one hand the melody line, but before Judy learned how to play piano, she was playing piano for church services, and uh, so we, you know, in, in our marriage, there have been several times when we changed churches or moved or something like that, and Judy sits there, and the second time we go, she goes, well, nobody's asked me to play piano yet. 
because it was weird. She wasn't used to not playing piano in a church service. And, to, and she's thinking, she'll say, do you, do you think they appreciate me? Do they, they don't even know you. You know, how, how would they know to ask you to play piano? You know, why are you even suggesting that they should pass to do that? And uh, it, it, so she's either, oh my goodness, they're not using me enough, or she's, she was with her father where he's absolutely leaning on her to run the whole service and she comes home exhausted and he'll do a, uh, you know, a, a, an, offer, a, 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 an altar call for 45 minutes afterwards and she's the only musician and she comes home just exhausted complaining about leading the music in church. You know? Never happy. Oh, no, <laughs> never, never happy. You know, but the thing is, I think God takes us through seasons. And sometimes we have to be prepared. And I think sometimes some of the grief that we go through in life kind of matures us a little bit for the next challenge that we have to face. In my weakness, he is made strong. His grace is sufficient for me. But I think it only has to do with grace. I don't think just general abuse makes you stronger. I think abuse well, no, makes well, you yeah, weaker. I mean, but, but anyway. When you, get, when you go through that abuse, for you to survive it and move on does take his grace. Agreed. It's not like, yay, beat me up. It's, oh man, I got beat up. I need help. And Christ says, I know what it's like to be beat up. Yeah. Lean on me. That's where I think the grace is. Grace is sufficient. It's if I'm healed, praise the Lord, I'll give him glory. If I'm not healed, praise the Lord, I'm still going to give him glory. Okay, and that's a nice summary. On verse 32, Luke completely changes gears and jumps back to Peter, and he chases Peter for the next two and a half chapters before we get back to anything else. Yeah. So we will pick up Ananias and Dorcas next week at verse 32. And... This is Evans signing off. Goodbye, Presbyter.